What if the sky is green, not really blue? What if I could make you believe that? All that's coming up on I'm Right. You see the news over the weekend? Chris Rock, comedian Chris Rock, comes out and announces that he got coronavirus. He takes to social media and says, hey guys, I just found out I have COVID. Trust me, you don't want this. Get vaccinated. But here's the thing. Chris Rock is already vaccinated. Publicly has come out. We already know this. He's come out and said it. And this is something you're seeing consistently now. You see it all the time. I saw recently a lady died, died of coronavirus. She was vaccinated. She died of COVID. And immediately her family came out and blasted the unvaccinated for giving COVID to their mom who died. Now, what's happening? How could this happen? Well, I have this theory. It's called my sky is green theory. Hang on a minute. If you watch for a while, you've heard this before. Let me walk you through it. I could make a huge portion, the majority of this society believe the sky is green. I could. Now you laugh. You roll your eyes. You say, Jesse, be serious. We all have two eyes. We're looking at the sky. It's clearly blue. You could never make somebody believe that. But you could. And I've never, ever, ever seen this more clearly than I see with coronavirus and vaccinations and social distancing and everything else. You can make people believe anything, absolutely anything. You can make people believe the things they see with their eyes and hear with their ears aren't real. You can make people believe anything. Let's say tomorrow, tomorrow morning, the system decided We want society to believe the sky is green. What if they decided that tomorrow? Well, initially, of course, you and everyone you know, me, we'd say, what are you talking about? You guys are crazy. What are you, idiots? We're looking at the sky. The sky is blue. What do you even mean? Okay. But then every single news story or every other news story, when you turn on the news at night, on every channel is something about the newly discovered green sky. Can't believe the sky is green. Isn't this wild? And they're always, of course, going to throw to some expert as well, To Joining me now is a scientist egghead from Harvard University. And uh, he just came out with a study that says the sky is green. Of course, if you actually looked into it, you'd find out that scientist uh, exists on grant money from the federal government. Oh, did I mention? The federal government has made its official policy the sky being green. So immediately every single Democrat would jump on board with that. The various bureaucracies would jump on board with that. They would push that information in PSAs. The useless, spineless Republican Party, about 95% of them, would immediately go along with it. They want to look like the reasonable Republicans. I mean, no one wants to be the crazy guy who says the sky is blue, right? So they'd go along with it or stay silent. Well, I mean, I can't say anything, Jesse. The media would criticize me if I did. So they'd shut up about it. Oh, I'm not done yet. Your doctor would start to tell you the sky is green because that's what he learned in his university. Your student at uh, the local college, he would not be able to graduate unless he said on his exam the sky was green. This is what the system has decided. Your favorite celebrity, sports star, would be all over their Instagram page, two billion followers putting out a video. Whoa, guys, isn't it wild? The sky is green. We had it wrong the entire time. 
They'd start making movies in Hollywood. The sky would be green in the movies. They'd do the CGI thing. You're laughing. You know them, right? Corporate America, Nike, all of them, all the big ones. They'd be putting out these huge television commercials. The latest athlete, of course, transgender, running up and down the stadium bleachers with the sky green in the background. Soon, you'd notice it all over social media. Your crazy aunt who believes that 10 masks are keeping her safe as she hides under her bed. She'd be out there nastily yelling at everybody, I'm not coming to Thanksgiving with you people who believe the sky is blue. Over and over and over and over again, each and every part of our society slowly succumbing to the shame, slowly succumbing to the propaganda effort. I would say a matter of simple months, if not weeks, and you would have 60, 70% of the United States of America who would publicly declare the sky is green. Doesn't matter what I see. But clearly my eyes are wrong. I got to go to an optometrist, get these things checked out. Sky must be green. I always thought it was blue. Oh, stupid me. That's the level of misinformation and propaganda we're at in the society now. We have a society full, full. There are endless stories about this of vaccinated people getting coronavirus, getting sick, and blaming people who are unvaccinated. And they can't even hear themselves. And there's nothing you can do to make that person see the truth. Why? They sat down for the last year and a half and watched every other news story about coronavirus. Every actor, every sports star, Every professor of the entire Democratic Party, 95% of the Republican Party, their kooky aunt on Facebook, coronavirus, social distancing, masks, oh my gosh, hand sanitizer, all the kids are going to die, millions. They watched and they listened and they watched and they listened and they watched and they listened and now they are so broken and programmed, there is nothing you could do to make that person see the sky is actually blue. Never in my life have I witnessed the power of the system and relentless, endless propaganda as I have now. And you know what? Speaking of social distancing, I want before I go to this next little thing, I want, I want to bring this up because I want to make sure we're all remembering this. We're all remembering the way society was like uh, 15 minutes ago, actually about a year and a half, two years ago, pre-COVID. Think about all the social distancing stuff you see out there now. You already know what the number is, right? What's the, what's the number? Is it five feet? No, no, no. You'll die from coronavirus. It's six feet. Stand six feet away from other people. And some of us have been mocking this the entire time, but six feet away. How much has your society been altered? I took an elevator to get up to this studio today. Big old sign right at the back of it. Social distancing maintains six feet. There's signs everywhere you look six feet away. In your grocery store, to this day, you go up to the cashier and look down, and there are either yellow footsteps or marks, probably in almost every store you shop in. Stand here, make sure you stand here, and the other person stand six feet away, and you know there was some guy out there re-measuring everything. Oh, we were six feet, right? Bob, six, that, that's only five and a half. Bob, do you want people to die? We've remade the United States of America based on the concept of six feet away. Speaking of sky is green, no one even knows where this concept came from. And the six feet is a perfect example of sort of the lack of um, 
rigor around how CDC made recommendations. Nobody knows where it came from. Most people assume that the six feet of distance, the recommendation for keeping six feet apart, comes out of some old studies related to flu, where droplets don't travel more than six feet. We now know COVID spreads through aerosols. We've known that for a while, so how operative is that? The initial recommendation that the CDC brought to the White House, and I talk about this, was 10 feet. And a, a political appointee in the White House said, we can't recommend 10 feet. Nobody can measure 10 feet. It's inoperable. Society will shut down. So the compromise was around six feet that's the former fda commissioner i mean i don't know about you i've been scolded for two years about trusting the science jesse these are doctors these people don't have a clue what they're doing and not only do they not have a clue what they're doing they act like they know what they're doing and they demand all of society come under compliance with with their recommendations we reordered Western society based on some stupid six feet away social distancing thing. And people, here's what's wild. So many people, maybe not you, probably not you, but so many people just went along with it. Well, okay, I mean, the doctor says so. Whoa, 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 don't, don't get too close. That's five and a half feet. Are you trying to kill me? <laughs> and now we've gone so deep down the anti-science, anti-medicine rabbit hole We've just decided to focus all of our efforts now on being absolutely horrible to children. And I do have to give you a disclaimer here, a couple disclaimers. One, this video I'm going to show you, it's not violent, it's not vulgar, you know, it's a family show. I always do a family show, it never won't be, but it is, it is hard to watch. This is hard to watch. That's disclaimer number one. Disclaimer number two, and you better remember this. You had better remember this and, and write this down in stone in your mind. Monsters, historical monsters, everyone you can think of. It doesn't matter. Pick your atrocity. And the people who committed those atrocities, they were always, always, always convinced, completely convinced they were the good guys. They were in the right. When you watch this video of this child being, in my opinion, assaulted by an adult, I want you to know, as your blood begins to boil and you're ready to choke somebody, I want you to understand this because this makes it much, much scarier. The adult in this video, she thinks she's the good guy. <laughs> put yeah. the mask on. Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta wear it on, honey. No, you gotta keep it on. tell you something else and you better remember this too these people like that monster in that video they are so convinced they are righteous they are so convinced of their moral superiority as they viciously assault others that there's nothing you can do at this point in time to convince that person they're wrong, they're the monster, the things they believe are wrong. That person already believes the sky is green. There's nothing you can do 
to, to talk them out of that. There's not. They're completely broken mentally. The only thing you can do, the only thing you can do to stop that monster is to make it uncomfortable for them. To make practicing their religion more uncomfortable than not. That's a fact. Pushback, peaceful pushback, it needs to happen right now. If that's a school, that teacher should be fired. If that's a daycare, it should be protested until it's shut down. That's a fact. Peaceful, but until you start making it painful for these people to assault you like that, they're never going to stop because they think they're right. They think they're the good guys. And that's the uncomfortable reality of life. Every single thing we have done has been wrong. It has been anti-science. It has been anti-health. I mean, look, we knew very early on, people act like this is somehow some new discovery. We knew very early on, COVID is very dangerous to you if you're fat. What did we do? We took down the outdoor basketball hoops. They filled an escape park with sand. They arrested a guy in California for paddleboarding by himself in the ocean. And because we did all these stupid things and sent everybody home, we made even the kids more fat. Get this. CDC study released late last week revealed that roughly 22% of children were obese, which is up from 19% a year earlier. The study also found that children gained about 5.4 pounds during the pandemic, as opposed to an average of 3.4 pounds a year before. That severely obese got even more obese with weight gain from 8.8 pounds to 14.6 pounds. And look at the monsters this thing has turned out of our society. Look at these people getting kicked out of a restaurant in New York City and just know the person kicking them out, the person walking up to a people and saying, you're not welcome here, your kind don't get to dine with us, that, that person thinks he's the good guy. So you're refusing to serve us? Are you refusing to serve us? So you, so you're going to enforce segregation because we just told you that we're religiously exempt. I never told you any of that. I, I would never tell you that. I would never say that. I would never say that. We just, we just marched for this. Every, everybody in here is okay with that. Everybody's in here okay with with, with setting up, setting segregation in society. Everybody's okay with that. Oh, we don't have our vaccine card, so now the kids can't eat. We can't eat. You guys are okay with that? This is the America you want to live in? Where's he wrong? Where's he wrong? Separate restaurants now? You're not allowed to dine with us, dirty peasant. That's where we are. And remember, as you look at this little video of uh, London Breed, mayor of San Francisco, got caught violating her own mask rules and then gets up and says this little doozy. I want you to remember this. I want you to remember as you, as you look at this woman. Remember this. It's not that they're hypocrites. It's not. It's that they're not worried at all about coronavirus. Okay, so just to be clear, um, um, I was sitting at my table and when... I don't know about you and whether or not you know who Raphael Sadiq and Dwayne Wiggins are, 
But I don't know about you, but if you know who they are, I don't care where you're sitting. You're going to get up and start dancing. My drink was sitting at the table. I got up and started dancing because I was feeling the spirit. And I wasn't thinking about a mask. I was thinking about having a good time. I bet you didn't know that, did you? All these studies about coronavirus, did you know it's not deadly if you're feeling the spirit? I had no idea. Once again, as I've told you before, if I told you there were landmines on the front lawn and not to go on the front lawn and you woke up the next day and saw me dancing on the front lawn, you wouldn't say Jesse's a hypocrite. You'd say Jesse was lying about the landmines. All that may have made you uncomfortable but I'm right. Now, I have a free offer for you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. HomeTitleLock.com. When you go there, go put in your address because you'll be able to see if you're already a victim of home title theft. This is the problem. When you're a victim of home title theft, you don't know. For two, three months, you won't have any idea until you start getting eviction notices in the mail. HomeTitleLock.com. Go there now. It's $100 value. You can go check that out for free. While you're there, Sign up. Sign up. All right. We're going to hit on the border crisis a little bit next. Hang on. You know how you can tell how much you love your country? There are great little tests for yourself. You can tell how much you love your country by your stance on immigration. Sorry, but it's true. You monitor who comes into your home because you love your home and the people in it. You monitor who watches your kids because you love your kids. If you're, oh, don't be too mean to the illegal immigrants, Sky. It's because you don't love your country. You can say you do, but you don't. What's happening right now in Del Rio, Texas, with 10,000 people amassed at the border is happening intentionally. The Biden administration came out and said, hey, we're not going to send them home. We're, we're not deporting anybody from Haiti. Basically inviting these people to overrun our border. They're overrunning our border, and I want you to understand this, and you had better understand this very well. This destruction is intentional. The Biden administration absolutely knew what would happen when they decided they were going to throw open the doors to America. They knew we would be flooded with people, people who are currently, as we speak, being shipped all over the United States of America. They don't care. They don't care because the destruction is intentional. And I can't believe we are here as a country. For whatever differences we have as a party and right and left, I can't believe we're in a place where the people who hate the country completely run the country. These people are actively trying to destroy the United States of America. Actively trying to destroy it. This is not an accident. This is not incompetence. They're trying to bring the nation to its knees. And I'm sorry to say it. They're succeeding. They are absolutely succeeding. We have got to make some serious changes as a nation because we cannot survive continuing being the world's open sewer. We cannot do it. All right. Now, we're going to talk to Rick Green about that next. He knows a bit about the border, knows a bit about the Texas governor, who I believe is a Republican, what he's doing on the border. But first, you ever think about flipping houses? 
almost everybody I know has thought about flipping houses. They bring it up to me. Jesse, I've thought about it. Ah, I think about flipping houses. My wife brought it up to me before. Should we flip houses? It looks great, right? It's a cool thing. And people are making tons of money on it. But here's the problem. People don't get into it because they don't know how. They don't know what to do. They're intimidated. They don't feel like they know enough about it. And look, I'll be honest. Unless you get some help, you don't know enough about it. And you can lose your rear end. That's why you go to FlippingMadeEasy.com. FlippingMadeEasy.com. What it is, is a one-stop shop for you to get all the information you need on the process, on opportunities that are out there near you. It is your one-stop shop to start flipping homes, and they make it so user-friendly. Look, even if you don't sign up today, go look at the website right now. It is user-friendly. It's the best website I've ever seen. Go to FlippingMadeEasy.com. That's FlippingMadeEasy.com. I would highly recommend you go sign up and use the promo code JESSE because then you get a little extra something special. FlippingMadeEasy.com. We'll be back. On September 8th, underneath this bridge, there were between 700 and 1,000 people. But when the word got out that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were no longer deporting people who came from Haiti, suddenly everyone who was here called their friends, called their family, and the numbers surged to 10,503. That's what's here today. 10,000 people have amassed on our border because of the Biden administration. Joining me now to talk about this is the founder of PatriotAcademy.com, Rick Green. He's also a former state legislator here in Texas. Rick, okay, first of all, I know this is a stupid detail, but I'm really genuinely curious. Um, Haiti, my, ma- my geography may be a touch fuzzy. I mean, I did go to community college, but I'm almost positive Haiti is surrounded by like an ocean. How exactly did they get to the South Texas border? Oh, the mysteries abound, Jesse. I tell you what, man. Uh, you know, look, this was so easy to solve. That, that it's like you said, this is not. This didn't just come out of thin air. This is Biden administration policies run amok. They asked for this. They, they, the day one when they came into office, they got rid of the stay in Mexico policy. They stopped the building of the wall. I mean, everything that Trump had done right to try to mitigate these disasters, they reversed immediately. And so, in reality, what we're looking at in Del Rio has been happening for months, just not all in one night. We've had over 200,000 a month coming across our borders illegally. We have no border at this point because of this president, but now finally you have this massive massive group of now they're saying up to 15,000, and when those optics go around the world and everybody sees it, and you don't have Chuck Todd and other uh, leftist media personalities covering for the president, now all of a sudden everybody's paying attention, and it's about time. Okay, they are paying attention. However, these people are are what? What is happening to these people, Rick? I have to know. Are they, I mean, I'm positive we're not doing what a sane nation would do and say, turn around and leave, you're not coming in. So what are we doing with the invasion? Yeah, apparently we're spending our money to fly some of them home uh, to Haiti, but even those numbers are minuscule compared to the ones that have come across. This doesn't even begin to address the ones that we uh, are not able to stop in the first place, what we call getaways. 
Uh, those may be as high as 50,000 a month coming across the border. And, and Del Rio was a focal point for months. People were trying to get attention to Del Rio and say, we know there's a problem here. The amount of fentanyl is coming across, all of the cartel activity, all these things that were happening. And, and people were screaming about it, but no Kamala Harris, no czar for the president down here to deal with the situation. The president ignores it. They create other supposed crises to distract from it. And uh, and it's, it's incredibly frustrating for us in Texas. I mean, look, I've got friends along the border, friends across the state that are dealing with this, law enforcement friends, Border Patrol folks that are incredibly frustrated. They're not allowed to do their job or they're being consumed by this, meaning the law enforcement folks, not just on the border, but, you know, uh, all the way up into North Texas that are having to deal with this instead of dealing with the other issues in their community. Uh, it's a humanitarian crisis, the child sex trafficking that's coming out of this, that by the way, our government is participating in by putting these kids on planes, fly them on, flying them somewhere into the United States with a little piece of paper and a phone number. We don't know who we're even taking these kids to. It's an absolute disaster, all because of Joe Biden's decisions that he made or whoever they are. I mean, maybe they are making the decisions when he says they won't let me do this or they said call on this reporter. Whoever these mysterious people are running the country, they've created this situation. It didn't have to be this way. Rick, do we know, do we have any idea why Del Rio? I mean, it's a, it's a long U.S. border. They picked the, this area for a reason. Is there a specific cartel? Is it easier to get across the water? Or why? Well, I, 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 you know, I wish, uh, I, I wish I had a good answer to that. From the briefings I've had, you know, it's, it was an initially because um, they had such a, 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 an ability to, I hope, I'm, I don't think I'm giving away any intelligence here, but the ability the cartel did of able to, uh, being able to watch this particular location, they knew where uh, our people were moving. Uh, okay. We knew exactly where, you know, they were as well, but we were letting them operate with impunity. So, you know, I, I'm not an expert on exactly why, but that's what I've been told by some of the folks that are down there actually uh, involved in the situation. Okay. Uh, where's our governor, Rick? I mean, I live in Texas. I know you live in Texas. Greg Abbott, uh, I believe he's still the governor, but I don't see a lot of movement. Am I just missing it? Oh, I'm sure you'll see him on national television talking a good game. I mean, look, he said months ago, we're going to build the border wall ourselves and make Joe Biden pay for it. He hasn't done that. He didn't do what could have been done in the legislative session. Uh, we had good state reps that were pushing legislation to fund the border wall, um, to, to fund the security of our border. And he was too busy defending his emergency powers, defending his, frankly, King Abbott actions for the last year and a half. Um, and not doing what needed to be done on some of these border issues. So he's going to talk a good game. I do think, Jesse, he's finally having to make some steps in the right direction because of Alan West and because of Don Huffines, the pressure they're putting in the in the campaign. Uh, people tend to see the light once they feel the heat, and he's feeling the heat in the Republican primary at this point. And so they did get some more money appropriated in the special session. But, you know, look, again, Del Rio was no secret. You know, the, the whole situation was no secret. We knew, again, on noon of day one for Joe Biden what he was going to do. So Greg Abbott has had, I said seven, I was thinking seven months earlier, man, we're in nine months now. He's had nine months that he knew what was going to happen. He could have put solutions in there. Absolutely constitutionally according to Article 1, Section 10, we have the right as a state to repel this invasion and to act on our own. He doesn't have to wait on the federal government. He keeps talking a good game. I'm looking for some real action at this point. 
Okay, uh, forecast this election for me. I understand uh, much of my audience is not living in Texas, but Texas is crucially important for the national direction of the GOP. Greg Abbott has a primary, but he has two significant primary challenges. That normally means the incumbent wins as the other two split everything up. Am I wrong? Well, in our case, someone has to get uh, 50% plus one in order to be the nominee in November. So in the Republican primary, what I think is going to happen, Chad Prather's also running. So you got three candidates against the governor. I think they're definitely going to split the vote. I, th I think he may come in first, but he's not going to get to 50% if they all run good campaigns. And therefore, if he doesn't get to 50%, even if he's at 49.99, then there's a runoff with whoever got second place. I don't know who that's going to be. I think it'll likely be Alan West or Don Huffines. Um, they're both running fantastic campaigns. They've got great immigration policies and, and proposals, and Texans are latching onto that. So I'm kind of glad there's three different campaigns running because they're building up support for their own campaigns, which is drawing support away from the governor. So I think we're headed to a runoff after the primary if they continue to do that, and then whoever wins that runoff, and I think all three campaigns opposing the governor will coalesce at that point, that there's a good chance of beating him. People in Texas are sick of the COVID crackdowns. They're sick of the nonsense. And he has completely reversed. He's now done a 180. Uh, it's kind of a bipolar situation because he talks about all the evil crackdowns and things, but he was the one that did it. So some of us haven't forgotten that. Um, and, and, and Texans are, you know, they're looking for some bold leadership that will say, hey, we've got some, some, some state sovereignty here. We've got some, the ability under Article 1, Section 10 to do our own thing because the feds have failed. And again, Abbott talks a good game, but he hasn't done it. And I think one of these other candidates will actually do it. Rick, all right, lastly, Beto O'Rourke. Everybody knows this idiot. Everyone remembers he ran against Cruz, and then he ran for president and hilariously crashed and burned. And we were all praying that was going to be the last time we had to see his stupid face on our television set. Apparently, we were wrong. He's going to make a run at the governor. I don't want my personal hatred to get in the way of, you know, an honest analysis. Does he have a chance? Well, you know, look, once he let it be known that he was probably the most pro-gun-grabbing, anti-Second Amendment uh, candidate in the, in, in the entire country, um, I think that wasted any chance he had in Texas. But it was surprising how close it was against Ted Cruz in 2018. Um, I'm hoping he's just going for the trifecta, though, right? I mean, he lost for Senate. He lost for president. Now if he loses for governor, you know, once, twice, three times a loser, I wish, wish Kenny Rogers was still alive and could uh, remake uh, the, the song for us, but uh, a lady and singing about uh, this particular, well, I shouldn't call him a lady, but he does kind of act like a lady sometimes. I'm no better O'Rourke fan myself. Uh, he's the most left-wing politician I've seen have somewhat success in Texas. Look, he did, he built up a lot of momentum in that 2018 campaign. A lot of the young people latched on to him, but I, I think he's kind of been revealed for what he really is, a complete leftist, and I don't think that's going to that's gonna do well in Texas. So I hope he's the nominee. Because I frankly think Don Huffines, Alan West, Chad Prather, or even Greg Abbott would have no problem mopping the floor with him in November. Good. Rick Green, everybody. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate you. Hey, Jesse. Have a good one. All right. I know when you dip tobacco, it's hard to quit. I know when you smoke, it's hard to quit. I dipped for years. Allow me to offer some advice, though, because here's what happens. If you have a friend or family member who dips or smokes, you want what's best for them. I know you do. So you'll do things that don't work, but you mean well. You'll do things like, you need to quit. Haven't you heard that's bad for you? Did you see what the Surgeon General said? That stuff does not work.
it does not work. Instead of presenting them with things like that, go buy them some Jake's Mint Chew and present them with a solution. This stuff is a lifesaver. It's tobacco-free, it's nicotine-free, it's even sugar-free, but I can still have that dip. I might when I get home tonight. If I, if I get home, maybe I'm just in a mood, I can have a dip of Jake's Mint Chew. I can have a guilt-free dip. Go. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. It works for smokers, too. They even have these little CBD pouches that really take that edge off. jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 10% off. We'll be right back with Chad Robichaux. Great America Pack is responsible for the content of this advertising. It was an honor to serve. The men and women I fought besides in Afghanistan, we risked our lives proudly for freedom, for our country. Because we thought, in the end, our sacrifices would count for something. Now, after 20 years, we're abandoning Americans behind enemy lines. We're begging the Taliban for mercy. We're surrendering. What's that count for, Mr. President? Joining me now, my friend Chad Robichaux, Force Recon Marine, MMA World Champion, little things like that. Also the founder of Save Our Allies. Chad, I know you've been going through it and been saving lives over there. 12,000? Is that the number? Yeah, well, we got 8,911 out and we assisted uh, with another 3,000. Yeah, so about 12,000 altogether that we were able to, to get to safety. Okay, now explain to me why a private organization has to go over there. Why didn't the U.S. government go over there and take care of this, Chad? You've been on the ground. I haven't been. I've been sitting right here in Houston. Why? What happened? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, if you go all the way back to the beginning, you know, I, I think it, we're kind of this whole thing's built on a, a false uh, foundation that we had to abandon a 20-year war, that we had to, we were in the endless war. Uh, the truth is we absolutely should never have pulled out of Afghanistan uh, or forfeited Bagram Air Force Base, which is the most strategic place in the globe in today's current climate between Iraq, Iran, uh, China, Russia. Uh, we should never have left there. We have 4,000 troops there. We were part of an international effort with the rest of the world to support and advise the Afghan National Army to fight the, uh, the Taliban on their own soil. And, uh, and, and it was working. And so why do we pull 4,000 troops out when we have 80,000 in Japan or 40,000 in Germany or 30,000 in South Korea, uh, we should not have done that. And then secondly, we pulled out our military before our civilians. We forfeited Bagram Air Force Base before we evacuated. And the uh, White House gave the NEO operation, the non-combatant evacuation operation, took it away from the Department of Defense and gave it to the State Department, uh, which treated this, the airport, HK airport, like a embassy and not allowing our US service members to go out and rescue and evacuate uh, American civilians and our allies. Chad, who are these 12,000 you've been working to get out? Who are these people? Yeah, it's very important uh, that people know that we didn't just land a plane and open the doors and let anybody in. We were very, uh, we were very strategic and uh, intentional about who we got. That's very important. Uh, uh, and so we had a process to where we uh, blasted out a uh, kind of underground message to uh, SIV applicants, which are interpreters and uh, special forces commandos that we know who they are, they're vetted and their families, uh, like women that would be vulnerable, uh, widows and women that in certain groups that would be vulnerable, school teachers, 
things like that, orphans, uh, American citizens, and Christians that we persecuted. So that's who we blasted out to. We got 29,000 requests for help. Um, we were able to launch our effort uh, in partnership with the United Arab Emirates. We had C-17 planes uh, uh, provided by the UAE, a Joint Operations Center provided to us in, in Abu Dhabi, as well as the Humanitarian Center. Uh, myself and uh, 12 special operations, former special operations guys went in there and, and executed operations in a period of about 10 days. We were able to get those people out. We don't on the ground. We worked directly with the United States military. They gave us our own ramp, uh, our own hangar to move our people through. Um, we used a, a very uh, deliberate authentication process on the ground to make sure who we were trying to get out, we got out. We had like a seven point uh, of, of authentications for bona fides to make sure we got the right people out. And uh, and then of course there was screened coming onto the airport by the military. And now they're in the humanitarian center being vetted by the, by the Department of State. Chad, I don't know how much you're allowed to say. I'm aware that that world is well beyond my world as just a very average dumb grunt back in the day. But how did you go get them? And how much danger exactly were you in? I, I, don't, I know you're only allowed to say so much, but tell me what you can. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, look, it, it's, it's a very dangerous environment, but, you know, the processes that we use is as, as safe as possible. I think everybody imagines the perimeter around the airport when they say the Taliban out of the outer perimeter, which they did. We never controlled the airport, meaning we, the United States, never controlled the airport. We gave the outer perimeter to Taliban. Anybody that understands strategy knows that whoever controls the outer perimeter controls that ground space. But this wasn't a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder perimeter. Uh, these are perimeters that really occupy checkpoints. So there's lots of gaps in the Taliban perimeter, lots of uh, rat lines in the, in the secret gates into the airport. And those were you know, utilized by our team uh, and other teams doing the same thing. We coordinated with our Joint Operations Center in Abu Dhabi and our ground team, as well as the, the, our rescue targets. And we linked all those things up to meet out, outside, the, outside of the airport and kind of rat line them back into the airport. In some cases, we're even able to drive them through the gate, but most cases was uh, rat lining them uh, uh, through those Taliban checkpoints in the, the secret gates of the airport. I could say that now because we don't have the airport anymore, uh, but there were secret gates in the airport that we were able to utilize. Chad, I, I've got to ask about this drone strike. I, I know this is probably something you're not exactly thrilled about either. We had ISIS scumbags incinerate 13 of our warriors. And in response, we drone striked an aid worker in nine other people, including seven children, adorable little children. Now, I take war crimes pretty seriously. How am I supposed to take that as anything other than a war crime that nobody has apologized for, no one has resigned over, let alone being put on trial over? How did this happen? Yeah, you know, uh, I think the, you know, we've seen it right away. The White House said they're going to respond to this. And I, my first thought was, I mean, they're going to, they're either going to bomb an empty building or they're going to bomb the wrong building to show a uh, show strength. And uh, unfortunately, that's what happened. Uh, you know, I don't know if they just ran, you know, did they randomly, that's the question remains, did they randomly just hit a building or did we trust the Taliban to be four observers for us? Uh, who told them that this was the target? Uh, this is questions that, you know, have to be answered for. I mean, uh, we have innocent people that were killed. Some of our allies that were killed, children that were killed. And, uh, you know, these are the kind of things that we have to have answers for. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be an investigation. I hope there's an investigation and uh, people are held accountable for something like this because this is, 
you know, not not okay, and certainly not uh, doesn't do you do the United States any favors uh, as we have future efforts around the world. Chad, explain this to me. How many American civilians, do we have any idea how many civilians are still there who want out, who haven't been able to get out? Did we get them all? We did not. And, uh, you know, people are, people are kind of bashing on me for saying that I was, I've been saying that we still have 5,000, uh, Amer- at least 5,000 Americans still on the ground in Afghanistan trying to get out. Uh, and, you know, people were saying that, I was overestimating that the White House said it was only 200, but then it came out in the Senate hearing, uh, the Blinken Senate, uh, Senate hearing, that you know my numbers are probably right. And uh, all you have to do is simple White House math. The White House said there was 10 to 15,000 Americans on the ground. They said they saved 6,000. And so 15,000 or even 10,000 minus 6,000 is not 200. It's in the thousands. I estimate over 5,000 um, uh, Americans still left there. But look, Jesse, even if there's just one, you know, the military I came from, and especially in the special operations community, if there's one uh, U.S. citizen on the ground, whether they are there by their own fault or not, and they're in danger, we will scorch the earth to go get them. We use every bit of military force and strength to return them home to safety. That's the American promise. Our government has that responsibility. So whether it's one, 5,000, 10,000, 200, whatever the number is, we owe it to our American American uh, citizens to go and get them. And we still have the ability to do that, uh, and we need to get it done. Chad, okay, where are they? Are they unsafe? I know they're not safe. I understand they're not home in bed. Are they hiding in a closet somewhere? Have they got, escaped to the mountains trying to cross over into Pakistan? Where are these Americans? That's a lot. 5,000 is a lot. Yeah, well, you know, there's some things I, I, I can't and won't say because we're still working on getting some of them out uh, for Understood. their own safety. But I can't tell you that they are hiding. Why are they hiding? Because the Taliban takes their – these most of these Americans, by the way, so you understand who they are, uh, they're not you or I. They're dual – a lot of them are dual citizens or, or you know, have – or Afghan Americans. So if they lose their blue passport and they know the Taliban will take it from them, then they are never getting out. And so they're, they're hiding. Uh and they're being hunted. They're being hunted, looked for. I have videos from safe houses that I can't share because they would identify those people in the safe house in their location. But I have videos of, of Taliban going and pick, stuffing people in the trunks of cars and driving them off to what I'm being told is execution sites. Good grief. Chad, thank you so much for what you do. God bless you, my man. Any way people can help if they want to help? Yeah, you know, saveourallies.org is a website. I just got off the phone. Um, you're going to be gross, grossed out by this, but it's it, we at the humanitarian centers here in the United States because of government restrictions, uh, the FEMA cannot buy diapers and formula and uh, you know feminine hygiene products. So we have to buy a half million dollars as a private organization to get baby formula to people and diapers and clothes and things like that. And so. Uh, I can complain all about the government not being able to do that right now, but what I'm asking for is help. We have about seven days uh, to get about to raise about a half million dollars to get those products uh, to to these people. Uh, and so you can go to saveourallies.org, donate there. We still have evacuation efforts going, and uh, and we're we got to take care of the people that we already got out. Saveourallies.org. Thank you so much, Chad. I appreciate you, man. Thanks, Jesse. All right. Coming up next, our light in the mood is a feel-good story. You'll enjoy it. Hang on.
All right, it's time to lighten the mood. Woman stranded in a flood water. Marines come to save the day.